Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Justin Bazaar. And you can find the podcast and Better with Bacon Fat Studios on Instagram and Facebook at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's and at Better with Bacon Fat. So today I have with us Nick McCormick of Kaja Popcorn from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing today, Nick? Great, Justin. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So Nick, tell us about your background first, sure. you as an entrepreneur, and, and sort of what your journey's been before we get into your product and, and sort of your popcorn journey. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you as an individual, an entrepreneur, and sort of this journey you're on and how you got there. Yeah. Um, well... To start, you know, I'm a, a chef by trade, so I've been working in food for pretty much my entire professional career. I went to culinary school up in Chicago and did my formal training and lived up there for many years and uh, worked in a few nice restaurants and um, wound up bouncing back to my hometown of St. Louis. I uh, was there shortly and then uh, moved down with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, in 2010 and worked the restaurant scene in Atlanta. Um, and Kaja came around in 2012, and that's kind of how I got introduced to the brand. I'm not the founder. I'm actually uh, the second owner. Um, I started working with the original owner, Kevin Peak, um, and would help kind of develop some fun recipes and just different flavors and things like that. That was kind of the interesting point of the brand was it always kind of utilized chefs in their creativity um, in trying to apply that into uh, a fun snack food, being popcorn. Um, in 2018, the storefront closed and Kevin decided he wanted to go in a different direction. And um, I had been a fan of the brand for the, the entirety of its existence. I'd given it away as gifts. Uh, to family members and friends. I've used it on F&B programming that I've done and different menus and competitions. Uh, and I just didn't want to see it go away. Uh, so like I said, I really loved it. And uh, the idea came up of me taking it over, which I thought was crazy at the time because I was working already as a chef full-time, running a kitchen, uh, you know, have wife, kids, all that. And uh, it, the more I thought about it, the more it just made sense. And so I just took it over. It started out really just as kind of a side hustle. Like I said, I was working a full-time job as a chef. And um, after that, I just kind of said, you know what, I want to keep pursuing this idea and this brand and keep growing it. And so I decided to go all in. And so that's really kind of been, I guess, the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, or at least kind of getting into that, or what I, I would say a foodpreneur, right? Just contracting food and, and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and just wanted to explore that and see where it goes. And so... You were at the beginning developing the flavor, so yep. tell us where we can find you guys. Um, tell us about your different products, and then we'll sort of dive into the creativity. Yeah. Um, so mainly, once we shut down our retail shop that we had on Peachtree, we had to kind of go almost underground and more virtual. Um, through my contacts, I found a, a production space within inside a, a a co-manufacturing facility or a private label manufacturer um, and so that's in Austell, Georgia right off of uh, Love Street shout out to my partners at Blue Frog Foods uh, so we do our production out of there you know it's an SQF level 2 facility USDA federal this is a, an, a department of ag product for those of you out there listening and are kind of wondering about the regulatory compliances um, and so we sell virtually online. So we have our website. You can find us at www.kajapopcorn.com. Uh, place your orders there via e-commerce, uh, which we can fulfill via shipping 
Or if you're in the Atlanta metro area, we do partner with Rody um, to do currying services and just get things to you right then and there if you need it um, on the fly. Um, but now that we've kind of branched into going more wholesale with the product and trying to get it out to retail partners, you know, our production isn't um, happening as regularly as it was when we had a storefront. You know, typically we make our batches of products and bag it up and then, you know, we have customers who place their orders. Um, you know, a couple small stores, the name would be like the local exchange in Marietta. We're also down in their Darien uh, space. There's Kelly's Market in Decatur, uh, just to name a few. You know, we're looking to expand that and that reach. And that's been fantastic just because when folks call and they kind of want their Kaja fix, I can just point them to one of our, you know, favorite local partners and say, hey, why don't you go in and support this great local business that also has other fantastic local products uh, to take care of us and then also them. So from from there, you, <clears throat> what are sort of next steps? I mean, you're you're an entrepreneur. Are you in this by yourself right now as, as the, the main entrepreneur? You're mm-hmm. solely in developing this product. So next steps, I mean, how have you gone to market traditionally? How are you building your brand? I mean, we've talked a little bit about social media before you came in here, so mm-hmm. that's all part of it. So with your experience that you have, knowing what you know, how do you take your own product to to market because we've talked about your background and yeah. back and we've talked about your background in airlines yeah so you have all this vast experience with right. with working in in this sector but now you're in your own product and yeah. now you're being your own pro- entrepreneur and putting a lot more of your destiny in your own hands if you will mm-hmm. so how do you go about that i mean why the change one and, and how what have you learned or, or added to your skill set i mean thousand questions in there but yeah uh, everything so i guess the the way to look at it two points for me that i knew consistently throughout my life one i knew i wanted to work with food that's just always been present um in in that really kind of speaks to my background as a chef and then the other thing really before i even decided i wanted to you know, go to culinary school right out of pretty much high school and say, hey, this is this is going to be my journey. I knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew I wanted to have my own business. What that was, I'm, I'm sure that changed many times throughout my career path. If I would have, if you'd have said to me in the very beginning, 20 years ago, you're going to own a popcorn company, I would have laughed um, and just been like, no way. But it's been a blast. So for me, you're right. I mean, my background is very, very diverse. I think I'm pretty fortunate, you know, when I, I talk to other peers and, and people in my field that I have pretty much touched every gamut of, you know, chef life. You know, I've done R&D. I've done airline catering. I've done sports service. I've done restaurants, you know, all facets of hospitality at all levels from, you know, working with Michelin star chefs and, you know, uh, AAA four diamond winners all the way to fast casual in, in QSR with burgers. It's a lot of fun. It's just food, right? And and for me, even to come in and see your facility, it's just another thing that I get to geek out on. It's just amazing to me that there's so many different applications that we have and that we're able to do and in, in bringing products to market. So when it came to figuring those things out, I had a pretty vast network. Um, and if I didn't know the answers, you know, for me, it wasn't just, hey, I got to Google this and, and, you know, learn. And I would actually reach out to people that I knew that were in food manufacturing. Um, I myself had also kind of gotten into this world of understanding, you know, regulatory compliance of USDA and FDA or, you know, what is a third party audit? What do you mean when you're talking about a nutritional panel? How do you formulate that? I kind of had those things. But you're right when it comes to talking about 
sort of the the branding, the marketing, and, and the sales piece, and thinking about the distribution, the logistics, that was all new. And I had to start really kind of thinking about that and digging in. Um, best thing I, I've done for myself is I ask a lot of questions. I go back to a friend who's been a bit of a mentor to me, Jamie Calvetti, um, up in Chicago, and he's got Calvetti Meats. His famous saying is, I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. And I think as an entrepreneur, because it, it seems that anybody that I talk to who's kind of in the small business world or entrepreneurial uh, endeavors, we're always thirsting for knowledge, right? We're always trying to learn as much as we can, as quick as we can. And when you're doing that, you really have to kind of look at yourself and say, these are my strengths and I know the rest is my weaknesses. And I have to find the people who complement my weaknesses and lean on my strengths. So when we talk about social media, you know, that's not me doing that. I have people that I work with and they're fantastic and very talented and are willing to work with me on my terms and what I need for this brand. When we talk about distribution, that's me, you know, trying to find the right distribution partner and saying, hey, here, here's sort of where my brand's at and here's where I want to go in understanding that these are my goals um, in the interim with, with the next, you know, six months, but also thinking a couple years ahead and where we'd like to go and expand our reach. Um, and then for marketing and sales and just looking out there and reaching out to people who have been food brokers or people who've been in that business and understand how to place your product and pitch it to, you know, your traditional brick and mortar retailers and uh, larger channels. Uh, so for me, I'm just a student really just learning and just trying to figure it all out as I go along. And so is that part of the drive then is the constant growth and education and, and self-growth? Partly. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about, I mean, you, you have a family, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and we've talked about what does that mean. And, and as an entrepreneur, the, the example that they, that may set for future generations. So, I mean, let's sidestep for a second. We'll get back to the brand and, and the popcorn. But talk to me about how being an entrepreneur now or, or taking more of this in in your life or being in food in general mm-hmm. has influenced the way you lead in your family or the way you being an entrepreneur has affected the way you lead in your community, for example? Well, I think, you know, leading, it's, it's really coming from the heart, right? I mean, you have to feel it. It's not something, we don't have the answers. I don't have a playbook or a roadmap, right? I mean, I'm figuring this out as I go. So. I think for me, it's just kind of taking my background and, uh, you know, my values and then saying, hey, if now that I am, as you say, kind of in charge of my destiny or at least this brand's destiny, you know, what does it mean to me and what do I want to say with it right now? I mean, I can have my authorial intent, whether people take it that way or not is a whole other thing. Maybe the message isn't quite received. Uh, but I, I look at it as saying, you know, we have an opportunity to what we try to say our rallying cry is create a better snack right what do we mean by that i mean you know it's kind of like well what makes it better well to me it's getting high quality ingredients not messing with them too much actually having a passion for putting a a high quality product out there and um getting it and having it being family owned and operated and uh you know and we support our local community when we can one partner that a partnership i'm proud of is um we do a purposeful popcorn for meals on wheels atlanta um, and we do that as a fundraiser for them. Towards the end of the year, it's a nice kind of gift thing, and it's part of their purposeful gourmet food line uh, that they do. And we're able to raise money for seniors. So we have a lot of opportunities, I think, to kind of say, here's where we want to insert ourselves, and here's how we want to help. But at the same time, you know, it's the hospitality side of me that I get to present a product to people and make them happy. 
at the end of the day, that's all I try to do with food is I just want to make something good that I'm proud of and that's going to make someone happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, and to what you said, it's about you're, you're a business person, so how is an opportunity to help? Just as an entrepreneur, I think there's often that give back that you're talking mm-hmm. about, like helping the Meals on Wheels program or helping seniors or whatever it looks like, whatever we're passionate about. So, I mean, those are the type of things that I don't think that if we weren't entrepreneurs, we wouldn't get the chance to do is, is have that involvement or commitment or that dedication. I think it's something you also get from understanding the hard knocks through yeah. through life or whatever it looks like, or even being an entrepreneur for that matter, <laughs> food entrepreneur, or foodpreneur, yeah. as you put it. It's tough either way. Yeah. yeah. And so... I mean, if you could go back um, in your life or you could, let me put it to you uh, differently because no one ever wants to go back and relearn the lessons. But if you could pass on something to someone Mm -hmm. and and tell them what what you learned or or ways you think they could, you know, grow and learn from your own mistakes, what would it be? Well, for me personally, I'm pretty analytical. and with this particular project, I've had to kind of put that down and make sure that I don't get caught with the quote unquote analysis paralysis and make a decision and say sometimes even the wrong decision to make a wrong decision is better than make no decision. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's it's just learning to be comfortable with risk and taking a chance and, and understanding that, you know, you're going to learn probably more from your failures than you will from your successes and to just not be afraid to get out there and try. That's probably the biggest thing I think that holds a lot of people back is they're just scared that, you know, maybe they're going to lose money or they're going to lose their time or whatever it is. I mean, the whole point, if, if you are trying to create something, you are taking a risk. That's just part of the deal. But, you know, a favorite football coach of mine, no risk it, no biscuit. I yeah. mean, I, and that's kind of the mentality. It's like you just got to go for it sometimes and just take the shot and see what happens. And so we've talked about the popcorn. You have, um, I have in front of me the spicy barbecue, the pimento cheese, and the sea salt caramel. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously those are, you know, the, your startup, but you said you want to be a better snack company. So right. you're probably envisioning more than just popcorn. Is that... Would that be a true statement, or this is something that varieties within popcorn, like a Cracker Jack or yeah. uh, that type of thing? I mean, I don't want to take anything away, but I think you've got such an incredible product uh, design for the bag. I hope everyone goes to social media. Um, well, let me pause there, make sure that they go look for you guys online. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's C-A-J-A, popcorn. Um, I'm sure they can type it in the search bar on social media and the internet, but I think it's important your packaging looks good it's simple um yeah. it definitely you you know what it is you mm-hmm. know by the flavors um and the color coding for each flavor i think is absolutely essential so i mean you've you've made all the right steps to to build this brand and and move it forward so i mean are you producing it yourself mm-hmm. do you use a co-packer so okay yeah. you're producing it yourself yeah. so tell me about Popcorn yeah. in a loose form without giving away too many secrets because sure. I know nothing about producing popcorn yeah. even though I'm in food manufacturing. Yeah, and, and again, it's me just leveraging my skill set, right, and just taking the approach to food and being organic about it and saying, okay, I know how to make this in this context, which it was from a retail standpoint of walk in and you know, you're getting your, your tin of popcorn and you're on your way. How do we package it and how do we then transition it to 
a wholesale product that's available on shelves. That has been, you know, just a fun part of the journey and the process. And again, for anyone out there who's, they've got their idea, whatever the product is, and they're trying to commercialize it, be prepared to just understand it's, it's a process. You're going to learn. And even when you go to co-manufacturers, they're not always going to have all the answers for you. And maybe the answers that they have aren't, maybe you're not ready for that step just yet. So for me, going in and saying, hey, I, I've designed this product, this packaging, you know, that I worked really hard on, you know, we put the capital out there in order to get it and bring it to life, right? I mean, that was kind of the biggest thing, you know, when COVID hit, we were hit really hard as a business. We lost quite a bit of our revenue. So for us, we were just holding on for dear life. And pretty much it was a last ditch effort of saying, all right, again, I'm going for it. It may be a Hail Mary, but we're doing it. I'm deploying the resources and we're launching this. And we did, and it was the right play. And again, it was, I'd worked and put in probably 16 months into trying to get this product launched, this, this particular product line. So to not do it and just let it die would just, that's unacceptable, right? You can't do that. So again, you take the shot and you see what happens and it's working out. Now, we've got a, a small distributor that's interested in picking us up. You know, we're at the very beginning of the onboarding process. I don't know when we'll fully be available, but it's going to allow us reach through the Southeast. And I'm super excited about it. And I'm excited about working with this particular company because they also have their own private products that they get to market, right? And, yeah. and that's a thing of... Who are you partnering with, right? I mean, that that's a big deal. It's the same thing of the facility that I'm with, you know, with Blue Frog. It's, I did work with those guys before. I know who they are. They're good people. I want to work with good people. And so when you're asking about, is it me solo? It's like, it is and it isn't. I mean, I have a network and a team of people that I work with. We're working a bit independent. You know, sometimes it's working as... Um, you know, a contract agreement or something like that. And we have people that come in and help us with the production piece. But at the end of the day, you know, you're still building a team and you have to work with people that you really want to work with. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be just a partnership of convenience. It should be something like we are mutually going to benefit from this relationship. And so now we get to, well, how am I going to scale? I honestly don't know if I'd be able to scale this brand and get throughout as many stores as I have my ambition set on within the Southeast, I may have to farm it out to a co-manufacturer and that's okay. And I'm comfortable with that, not just as a chef and saying, well, Hey, I really want to make my own product because I do, but there's also the realistic or the reality of, you know, raising the capital in order to get the equipment and the facilities to do that. It's very intensive. Yeah, absolutely. And we just might not be there. And, and to say, well, to hold the brand back from its potential growth, that would just be a shame over the, you know, my, my own ego saying I have to produce my own product. Um, so we're looking at that now. What I loved about this part, particular step in the process, though, I was there at the very beginning and saying, how are we going to make this product? How are we going to package it? What's it going to look like? What's my customer's expectation going to be when they get it? If I do release it to a co-manufacturer and a distributor, how should it be? Hopefully... You know, if we do go with the co-manufacturer and the distributor, that it actually improves and enhances the product because Absolutely. that's what we're after at the end of the day. I mean, it shouldn't just stop with me. And if I, I walk away from it, it's not that's terrible. That's not the legacy of the brand. It needs to continue to improve, even if I eventually step away at some point of the process. And I agree with you. I think that, and it's about also training those people to, mm -hmm. in your support system to come in. You want them to grow 
Um, yeah. If you can't grow without a support system that's growing right behind you, even if it's three people doing the same yeah. job you do now, because we often outwork or mm-hmm. expect people to be able to work as hard as we do as entrepreneurs, it usually does not happen. Our drive yeah. and our ambition and the end results and the rewards different for yeah. obvious reasons. There's more work put in. And so um, I think that's an important part of what you said is it's it's a constant hustle. Yeah. It's a constant grind and you've got to be willing to do it. It doesn't mean, you know, not making time for family and friends and, and putting attention to those things when you're present in those things. But it also means when you're present in your business, you got to be, you know, gas pedals got to be max, not rushing, but necessarily focus. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to do that. Um, I don't know how you do without the experience of the grind in the first place, one. And two, just, you know, teaching something that is just, you know, some of it's innate in, in humans. Some of it we learn through sports. Yeah. Um, some of it's good coaching and parenting. and But ultimately, it's that drive to self-start and self-finish something, yeah. really, and and that you can't stop doing it until you're satisfied and ultimately it's a constant chase of your tail like a dog because (laughs) you'll never be satisfied but you're chasing it consistently um for lack of better terms and it's not that it's an unhappiness it's just the drive to constantly want to do more and do better and i think you're seeing that with your product and okay now i've done the product okay what can i do for my community okay you know, I'm. You're already talking about. You know, it's about a network of people. No one yeah. does anything alone. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. Um, raising children, building a business, it's all the same. Um, in that regard, it takes people, and no, you can't possibly house all the knowledge in your head to do it all yourself. Mm-mm. And so, I mean, how have you found support? Who have been some of the most valuable mentors or resources, maybe, yeah. and how have they helped you? Um, again, we, you know, when we talk about the drive and the, and the grind and the hustle, you know, I, I think a lot of that came from just my background in kitchens. You know, um, it's a tough competitive environment. I know it's come under a lot of scrutiny um, in the years past, and it's it's challenging. It's hard, and you know, I mean, it, it's not um, it's not forgiving. At least it wasn't when I was coming up, and I think that was part of it. Of you know, you're, you're running hard because, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen next and you want to be as prepared as possible. You know, the mise en place, uh, that philosophy just, it, it's ingrained in me. It's, you know, one of my personal mantras of everything in its place and making sure I'm prepared. Um, so from the, the person who's trying to build it, for me, it's about building the systems, right? And then being able to pass it off and, like you said, train with whoever I'm working with and saying, hey, you know, here's my expectation and here's what we need to try to achieve and here's what our mission is and our goal and our values um and here's here's the end result that we want um but you know it's 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 just a lot of fun i mean it really at the end of the day um that's it's 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 fun it's been fun and i think you enjoy it obviously i think that's part of the reason most of us do it or we we have fun doing it or the challenge or the mystery of trying to solve a problem or yeah. you know deborah it's about putting the piece the puzzle together right. to me it's about constantly challenging myself or growing or trying to i don't know put my place put myself in places of hardship or uncomfortableness to grow um certainly just like the podcast i don't mm-hmm. overly love talking to people before but now i find myself doing it more and more just from practicing it right, right. doing the podcast so i think it's 
it's all of those things in mind. I think being an entrepreneur is someone like that. Yeah, it takes the start, and we talked about that innate thing, but it also is developing the habits of just starting and being committed to those daily tasks to move your business along because that's really a lot of what it is also and i see you're doing it every day that's why you're here on the podcast this is one of those little tasks to get the name out there exactly to help spread the word to take a little task to get you know a further you know recognition of your brand a further experience for you as an entrepreneur you know and Mm -hmm. why do i do it? it gives me further experience helps me here what you guys have to say opens up my eyes to different experiences and different yeah. um, beliefs, for that matter, a different way of doing things sometimes, or different products that I never even thought of. I mean, pimento cheese popcorn makes complete sense, but whoever thought of it, you know? Yeah, uh, I know there's others out there. We're the first, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and again, I want to kind of put that out there as like often imitated, never duplicated. I don't think I fully answered your question when it was coming to mentors, and I yeah. want to circle back to that because I had. I've had so many great ones. Again, I've worked with so many great chefs. Um, I'm blessed. And, um, you know, from understanding, I think, what they were trying to teach, and then you can take that and apply it. Like I said, the not just mise en place, but the idea and the, the philosophy of what you're trying to approach and express yourself with food. Because at the end of the day, it's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, my, my first gig out of culinary school was uh, at a gourmet food store in Chicago. And I worked with a guy named Jason Handelman. And, you know, a lot of people don't know Jay. He's kind of moved back into the more of the grocery scene. Um, but great chef, you know. And, and when you looked at his lineage, he had the, the solid chops in the background. And really, I think, gave me that very beginning of how you approach production and trying to do scale um, and volume cooking and doing it well, right? Not just rushing it out. Um, From there, you know, I would have to say, you know, uh, Larry Forgione was another big influence. You know, he was, um, he's very old school. Uh, some Mark Ford Jones, like Iron Chef America, if you've heard of yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chef's perspective was just celebrating the regions of American cuisine and the, the ingredients and the terroir of those regions and really kind of getting in there. And I think that sort of speaks to this particular brand. You know, a lot of our prime recipes are Southern inspired um, yeah. and we want to celebrate our region, uh, but that's not what we're limited to. Um, Linton Hopkins is another one. I, I worked with Chef Lynn for five years. Um, he, another one, gave me an opportunity to kind of look at food from that perspective, celebrating the region. Also, he's a huge advocate for artisans and artisan food. Um, and so he kind of really helped pass that along. And I think probably Larry and Lynn were the two biggest influences in that aspect. And I'd have to thank him and you know people like Jason because it helped steer me into the specialty food world. I think without those three in my career, I don't know if I would have gone down this path. Um, and it's just wild. It's like, they're all pretty much restaurant folks, you know, and, and it's like, there we go. We're again, I'm doing a popcorn brand. That's kind of, kind of crazy, but it, it's a lot of fun Yeah. It, outside, you know, and then just working with people, like I said, in, in specialty food or in food manufacturing. I mean, you get to, to learn, what they're doing, they're opponing and applying a craft and then bringing it to scale. And that's really a, a cool thing to see because when you're when you're in restaurants or boutique hotels and things like that, you get an idea of the volume, but you're not seeing pallets of product move, right? No, I mean, you have a beautiful facility here, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys are obviously pumping out a ton of food 
and it's amazing to see. I mean, it's all very cool and compartmentalized. You have the specialty equipment to do it. Um, but to really look and think about all the systems that need to be put in place in order to get that to scale and to market, that's a lot, you know? And I think chefs are great at prioritizing and executing and building systems. Um, you know, when I went and did Lean Six Sigma training at Georgia Tech, I was so nervous and scared. Uh, and when I talked to the professor, he was like, son, don't worry, I, I teach crayon eaters to do this. And I was like, oh, what? And he was like, a Marine. I'm like, oh, okay, he's a, he was an Army Ranger. <laughs> Uh, he was like, you'd got this. And he started explaining what Gordon Ramsay and how he would do it on, you know, Kitchen Nightmares and explaining the demag process. And was like, wow, like we have been doing this this whole time. Yeah. We do understand these things intuitively. We just didn't understand the language. And so part of that is just kind of going through and learning these languages, right? You know, restaurants have their own particular language, as does, like you said, airline catering. We were talking about that earlier or sports service, concession, specialty food, private label manufacturing. It's really just learning the language and just being open-minded to that world and who's teaching you and just being a sponge. I mean, that's really the best thing is just immerse yourself in it and learn everything there is to learn. Because it's the only reason, it's the only way you're gonna, I think, have a shot at, at making it. And you wanna take something that is just seemingly impossible to where people are looking at you like you're a crackpot and say, well, oh, actually, I think he's got a shot. Yeah. Well, and that's often. People are very supportive sometimes at the beginning. Then uh -huh. it's like, uh-huh, you still doing that thing, this whatever popcorn thing in your case. And, you know, people kind of fall off. Are you sure you still want to do that? Yeah. Is it really worth it? You're, but you're, you know, when are yeah. you going to do this? But it's that grind and the belief in yourself and purpose. Yeah. It's hard and it's lonely. I mean, I yeah. was talking to my wife about this yes. not too long ago, and I think everybody who's kind of gone down this path can understand. And for those of you out there thinking about it, it's really lonely. And if you do it with a partner, but that's probably great, you know, because you've got somebody that you can lean on and is going to understand what you're going through in real time. Um, and, you know, my wife and I have been together almost 14 years. You know, she knows me better than anyone. And she was kind of surprised when I was like, it's it's a lonely journey. And she's like, what do you mean? And it's like, because it's really just me trying to figure this out. And, you know, I have a team. I have people that I work with. But at the end of the day, it all comes on, comes down to you, you know. And, and that's partly the motivation, like, is why you got to get out of bed in the morning. People are counting on you. Like, this brand's counting on you, you know. And when, when things are slow and, you know, you're just grateful for whatever little sales you get, it's like, God bless your customers. You know, they're keeping you going. Uh, in those hard times and um, you know any of the customers honestly I mean I've had some reach out and they say you know we're your biggest fans uh, you know can we get this and I always do anything extra I can for them because it's like thank you you kept me going through a pretty rough time and COVID was not fun yeah, um, absolutely. and I'm excited that we're all kind of getting out of it and starting to normalize and remember what it means to live you know yeah, I mean, being being stuck and not doing anything is just not fun well it's not good it's not good for the economy no. it's not good for us as humans no. um and things that in motion stay in motion and yeah. so you know it's just it's better all the way around opening things up for sure and i want to i'm going to go back for a second because i want to sure. highlight something that you talked about is enjoying the different Mm -hmm. cuisines um, yeah. or regions yeah. of America you know we can talk about the world and, and how that is but in the United States itself we have the very same thing and I want to talk about all your different flavors of popcorn yeah. because we have the pimento cheese mm -hmm. we have your traditional kettle corn and your classic butter mm -hmm. yep. 
but we have the Buffalo Ranch, yeah. which is probably amazing. I know that's one of the best flavors I've tried in other popcorns. Um, spicy barbecue, the Van Duven Vadavan. Vadavan yeah. curry, uh, the Atlanta Hawks uh, yeah. blend, and the sea salt caramel. Yeah. And did I miss any? Uh, we got a couple that are dark right now. We're not running our red velvet just because yep. of um, summertime. It's it's just not um, not friendly. Yeah. Uh, we, so we try to do it more so in the wintertime. Uh, the Vadavan curry, shout out to my friend Archana Becker of Bojanic um, Indian. Uh, she hooked me up with a couple of... Um, suggestions and we were able to really enhance that flavor i was a little hesitant to release it uh but it's it's now that I, we've got it dialed in i definitely want to want to run it and get it out there i think it's pretty special um so thanks archana if you're listening for that tip uh, i mean it looks delicious it's great it really is and you know that was uh again that's kind of the tip of the cap to chef lynn you know he was really big in using Badabon curry in our um cuisine uh it's more of a french style masala curry uh, so it's a little gonna be a little sweeter, a little earthier, not as spicy. Yeah, uh, very earthy. Um, but yeah, the Buffalo Ranch. I mean, that's just kind of like hey, you know, kicking back and watching a game. The Atlanta Hawks. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a that's a fun flavor that we do specifically for the Hawks. Um, we actually were a part of the Eastern Conference Finals. We didn't really have much participation this year just due to COVID. Absolutely. Uh, but when the Eastern Conference Finals came, you know, my buddy Chef Joe Schaefer hooked me up and was like, can you, can you be a part of this? I'm like, absolutely. Uh, we developed that specifically for him, and then I, I sell that online. It's um, spicy, cheesy, got, you know, kind of the cool red and orange hues, yeah. uh, you know, for the their colors and everything. and. That's been a fun partnership, and uh, we've been featuring the club levels in the suites. We'll be back again. We'll be back again uh, come next season, so we're really excited about that. And uh, we'll see. I don't know if we're going to do the bags or if we'll do something small. I'm, I'm working with um, a co-manufacturer, actually, for a smaller bag. We've had a couple other larger accounts that are kind of interested in that. Uh, it's enough for me to at least explore the idea and see if we can pull it off. Um, yeah. So who knows? You know, you might get it that way or... You might get it the way where we're making the little bags in house and just sending it to them. It's that's a really cool concept. Um, the way you went to market, you just didn't look at your traditional mom and pop yeah. stores or your general stores or your gas stations or your grocery stores. You sort of, how can I work my product different ways? You know, yeah. which you came from airline background, which you know the airlines are starting to be more open to the entrepreneur business. Uh-huh. If you can hit small packets and to scale. Yep. And so, um, I mean, that's a huge future right there is events, especially for popcorn, I feel yeah. like, and artisan popcorn, um, which brings me to my question, does the kernel matter? Like, I don't know a lot about popcorn. Sure. Yeah. I didn't either until I got into the business. It was one of those strange things. So there are two types of kernels and, and varieties. There's air, there's a mushroom and butterfly. Um, different brands are going to take a different approach. Butterfly, a lot of people like because it um, lends itself to the seasonings getting into the little nooks and crannies. So you can get a pretty big, um, flavorful bite. The, the problem with it, though, is that I find it breaks. It's very brittle and fragile. Uh, the mushroom, some brands will take the approach and just say, hey, we're going to coat these. Do kind of like your candied style, you know, caramels and, and things like that, because uh, they think that it gets a 
the sugar coating or the uh, caramel coating on it a little bit better. We use nothing but mushroom. I find that the seasonings still get in there just fine. It coats the product well. Um, and I think it's a lighter, fluffier kernel and it doesn't break as much. And it's just, to me, it's not as brittle. Um, that's why I happen to like those, you know, and I'm open. There's, there's a gentleman who said, um, he was growing Georgia grown corn. I told him I'd buy some, I think he's supposed to harvest sometime late summer. Um, just waiting to hear back from him. So we always like kind of checking different stuff out. There was a farmer in Kansas that shipped me product. It just doesn't make sense for me to buy pallets and have them you know drop shipped here right from now Kansas. yeah it just from kansas it just didn't didn't make sense right now um just because the volume's not there um that eventually you know we'll we'll look at it and that's part of the the deal is one to find the absolute best ingredients that we can get our hands on so if there's something better out there we'll take a look and you know if it work, makes sense economically for us as a brand we'll do it and which you touched on something I think is important, and I want you to talk about this a little bit more, but you talked about experimenting with ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much of that is still going on? Different flavors, idea flavors, or different types of corn? I mean, I'm obviously, from your statement, I believe you're always looking, but how much of that, just yeah. to give everyone a snapshot sure. of your world right now, Yeah. if yeah. I could take a picture, what would it look like in terms of those things? Because as important as entrepreneurs, we're always sort of... yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you got to focus on one thing. But what really happens is we're trying to see which one sparks. And we've got a lot of ideas. And often it's not one thing that wins. It's a lot of base hits. And yes. So. Yeah. And great baseball reference. I'm a huge baseball yeah. fan. Yeah. And uh, I'm fine with small ball, you know, because manufacturing runs is you, that, that wins games. It doesn't have to always be uh, home runs. So innovation I think from especially from a business standpoint, you know, you look at the three types of innovation that you can have. You can have your product innovation, your process innovation, and your business model innovation. Business model innovation is the toughest one to pull off. I mean, that's that's pulling it all down and rewriting the work. And I've I've done that uh, in in previous positions I've held. It's very challenging. I've done that now with this brand <laughs> twice. Um, it's tough to do that pivoting. Um, where we are currently, we're focusing our innovation on our processes. So again, you know, trying to scale the brand, we just launched our retail line. Now we want to get into more stores. So I'm focused on scaling the product and the distribution and then finding out ways to lay the infrastructure down for to make the sales channels a little bit easier, which we've done. We're on range me. Um, you know, I know COVID actually a, a benefit for, uh, a lot of small producers that are trying to pitch their brand. It's a great format. It's like the LinkedIn of specialty foods. Um, and now a lot of buyers, you know, they're wanting to actually say, are you Range Me verified? At least that's what yeah. Range Me is telling me. Um, I think they're just trying to get, you know, their, their fee out of me. I'm still on the, the free plan. <laughs> uh, but th- th- that's really it. That's my focus of innovation. As far as the flavors, I have three others that we're going to run. Um, that we'll launch in a little while. We'll do our, our kettle, our Vadavankar, and our Buffalo Ranch. Those will be the next three that proceed. Um, and then when it comes to developing the other specialty stuff, I'm not worried about that. I'm a chef. I can develop recipes all day long, right? But that's not going to service this brand right now. What's going to service this brand is me getting it to market and getting it in front of as many people as possible um, without going crazy and trying to you know scale too fast right because that's that dichotomy of you want to pull yourself you don't want to go too fast and then wreck the train you want to make sure that you're able to you know grow steadily and make sure that it's making sense so right now we're focused on Atlanta Metro 
and Georgia uh, as we've been expanding outside of Georgia and we've got some great partnerships around. Uh, but now it's really kind of taking a look at the Southeast and saying, where does it make sense strategically for us to grow? Is it Chattanooga? Is it Jacksonville? What are the other towns that we can hit and maybe make an impact? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, starting off that way um, and not trying to overexpand it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you have direct to consumer, that's different. But it's um, but trying to build your brand locally before you go anywhere. Everyone who's tries oh the internet's here, let's go worldwide. Yep, nope. It's so I bad. It. It's I won't so do bad. It. Yeah, and that's one thing I know. I, I get emails. Hey, you know, we can sell to China, and I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm not messing with international right now. I have no interest in it. I want, this has been a brand that, again, I, I was a fan of. We have a very loyal following from the days of when it started as a storefront. They love seeing it around um, Atlanta Metro. You know, we want to keep growing that and, the, you know, make sure that people know that we're still around and you can get us that way. Um, and then, like I said, because we're a Georgia grown member, um, we have a lot of people that they love to use this for our gift basket program too. I mean, that's one thing that we totally fit in. Um, and we have a couple of great clients uh, that, that utilize us for that. And I get quite a few inquiries and, you know, people buy a few cases and we'll ship it down or sometimes we'll even buy a pallet. I mean, some folks, you know, they've done fantastic with the e-commerce and I applaud them. Um, that's where they're doing really well. We've got a couple gift boxes that we've done and we've done some things for our corporate accounts. Um but again, I'm not trying to be a gift box company, right? We're trying to be a popcorn company. I think it's important to stick to what you do and do it well um, and chase that, right? I mean, I've got a picture of Vince Lombardi above my desk. It says, chase perfection, catch excellence, yeah. right? Knowing that perfection is not attainable. I'm never going to catch it, but we're going to run relentlessly at it because we want to be the best that we can possibly Absolutely. be. I'm not trying to say I want to be the number one popcorn company in the world. I think that's just overly ambitious. I want to be the best popcorn company that Kaja Popcorn can be. And and just let it speak for itself. And I think people enjoy the product. They enjoy the brand. They enjoy the service, right? And again, that's the hospitality piece. Um, you know, whenever we have something go wrong, I'm always kicking ideas to Katie and being like, how do you think we should approach it? She's got a hospitality background as well. Uh, it's more guest-centered. Um, and so that's really the way we take our approach to it. Well, and I want to talk about this, but um, obviously you have them in 1.5 ounce bags. You also do tins and buckets mm-hmm. as well. So what, what sizes is everything available in? Yeah, well, we have our three and a half and our two gallons. Those are going to stick around. We'll keep our one gallons. The half gallons and the, and the one quarts, I'm actually going to disregard because just COVID changed our business, right? Yeah. I mean, when we launched the brand or the bags, it changed things. We find that they're just not in demand anymore. And that's I'm going to listen to my customers. They're going to say, yeah. hey, you know what, Nick? I'm great buying the two-gallon or the three-and-a-half and, you know, a couple of bags, and we're good, and that's what we're going to do. And, yeah. you know, as things change, and I'm sure they will, I could see us having a very strong future in bags and maybe doing tins on holidays when people are more inclined to buy them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, one of the things I really like also is I think a lot of traditional – businesses that go into the consumer products business mm-hmm. or everyone calls them i think the cpc CPGs, yeah. yeah it's not i don't come from that background even though we're in the business <laughs> right, so the right. terminology is we just you know for us it's uh i don't even know what we call it in term but newer term for us at futures partners but what i what i find always is that everyone comes to us or everyone's been recommended is between one and four products to go to market right and it's very 
it's the blanket thing and I get it, it's reasonable and you spend money and you gotta be careful your R&D costs, but the problem is is it limits you yeah. for exclusivity or for mindset. So I like that you've expanded your brand. You've concentrated mm-hmm. on popcorn, but you've been willing to sort of go after it across multiple flavors to show, mm-hmm. one, demonstrate that you're not traditional, two, right. that you can take something and cover different flavor profiles yeah. and, and please different palates. Um, but you're also showing companies that you work with, like, hey, I can do other things, and this is a growing brand. We're not stuck just doing this. We're looking to grow. We're also very into challenging the norm when it comes to popcorn, of mm-hmm. the traditional kettle corns, your butter, maybe yeah. your salt and pepper. And I know Buffalo Ranch is a growing one. It's but growing, yeah. And again, we were ahead of the curve yeah. on that when we yeah. launched it at the store. No yeah. one was really doing it. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you started seeing people doing yeah. it. and. When it comes to the recipes, it's like we have, I think, 30 ready to, ready to rock, right, that are all yeah. fantastic. But the point is, do we need to have 30 flavors? And, and that's something that other popcorn brands out there in, in the Atlanta metro area are doing and they're just around the country. And that's fine. That's great. You know, if they want to have, you know, fruity tootie and, you know, everything else under the sun, that's wonderful. And I'm happy to tell people when they ask that for us, say, hey, you know what, we don't do that you should maybe go and check out so-and-so. And that's fine, because that's what they do. You know, this is what we do, and um, this is where we're going. And I guess that's where you get a little bullish, right, as the entrepreneur, because you're like, you got the vision, the idea, and you got to stick to your guns and say, no, this is, I'm seeing this through until I'm convinced it's failed and I got to do something different. Yeah, and that's the thing, right, is anyone can throw a naysaying at you, but they're still not the one that has to carry yeah. it across the goal. So if you're going to carry it anyway, you might as well carry it the way that you believe in and keeps you inspired because the yeah. number one way to kill your business is lose motivation and inspiration yeah and that can often come by letting those it's it's good to filter them mm-hmm. but it's still good to make sure you're sticking to your own gut and your own personal feeling otherwise you're going to lose motivation and inspiration it's that easy know how much better someone else's idea is if it doesn't convince you to do it otherwise and you have an open mind then you're you shouldn't go that way yeah and that's like you know, I've had people talk about go in this business or we need to concentrate on that. You know, it's great. It's just not our business model. Right. Or it's not something that I'm interested in growing in because it's not match our belief systems. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's all part of it, I think, as well. Yeah, you got to know who you are and know what you're trying to bring to the table. And it's really finding your audience, right? Because, I mean, they're all out there. I mean, was it Americans eat, I think, 42 quarts of popcorn a year? Yeah. Something crazy. I mean, we were just popcorn nuts. And when I looked at um, the growth, I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head. It was just stated at the Snacks and Sweets Expo. A colleague of mine was up there. He, he sent me a screenshot. He's like, it's looking good. Uh, you know, it, it's, they're going to keep eating popcorn. I'm just trying to find my little corner of that yeah. market, right? And then I'm going to do what I do because it's out there. It's it's there. There are people who like it. And that's what we're, we're really going to stick to. And I just think for... Anyone who's trying to get in and say, hey, I've, I've got, because we talk about this, right? I mean, I have a bit of a co-packing background. You're a co-packer. And we talk to a lot of people who come in and say, I've got this idea and this product and I want to bring it to market. And it's sort of like, okay, great. There's a lot of rigors that go into that. You got to check a lot of boxes before you even start going. Um, I think the only reason I was half crazy enough to try this was because I had a food background and I was like, I think I can pull this off. It's going to be really hard, um, but here we are, 18 months after designing the packaging, getting through an epidemic, 
and we launched and we're in stores. I can go into those accounts and see the product on the shelf. Yeah. That's an amazing, that was, that, was a, that was the goal. I was like, I just want to see that. Okay, well now I'm here, now what? Right, yeah. and it's like, you can't stop. You gotta keep yeah. going. But before we even launched, I have uh, a prototype bag. And before it was on my bookshelf in, in our living room, and it was just, I'd see it every day. Yeah. It's just the reminder. It's like the totem. Like you got to get that. There's a picture. It's a screensaver. It's just there. Like mainly, it's in your face. Are you working on this? What are you doing to make this happen? You know, because if you quit and you're saying, "I don't want to do this anymore," it's like, well, it's just staring at you. (laughs) I mean, like, what about me? You know, like you can't quit now. So yeah, that that's a big thing. I still have that prototype bag now. It's on my my desk in my office at home. Um, And it's just now it's just there, being like, now you got to sell me. Sell yeah. me, sell me, sell me, and that's it. And that's that's where we are, you know. And but you mentioned like that you have the classic kettle. I wasn't going to launch kettle, but I have so many customers asking for it. So again, yeah. you just you listen to your market, you listen to your customers. They're going to tell you what they want, exactly. You know, and and I know everyone talks about anticipating and bringing something. If you're really innovating and bringing in something that they didn't know that they wanted. I, that's the next thing I need to figure out when it comes to um, anticipating their needs. And I think it might, maybe it's the pillow pack, you know, maybe it's a small snack bag yeah. that I'm not anticipating the opportunities that's there. Um, but I know we had a lot of people asking about these mm-hmm. and I have no regrets launching and doing this and seeing that our sales have pretty much transitioned to be about 80% of these bags now when I look at just units. Um, and just saying, okay, hey, this is what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, they can have variety. They can mm-hmm. try different flavors. Um, but one of the things you just said that I really like to touch upon is what you did is you didn't try to convince people you were a different kettle corn popcorn right. maker. You first made yourself different. You made a different cookie, for lack of a better and You made a different popcorn mm-hmm. with a different brand, with different flavors that a non-traditional look at it. And then through that, we're able to drive the demand for people who wanted you to do their traditional kettle corn, which you established being different first and having a different product and brand first before you went and addressed the traditional thing. And I think people often go towards, oh, what does everyone know? What's... You know, if I were going to produce ketchup, I'm going with the traditional ketchup. Well, ketchup's yeah, a how unique product. Yeah, there's already people got Heinz. You want people off Heinz? You got to put together a pretty special ketchup yes. that's going to to drive them off that Heinz 57 or whatever. Yeah. So, and so it's the same thing you did with popcorn. Is you start the intrigue and the interest. It certainly would intrigue me off to do the podcast. Okay, here's someone who's doing it differently. What does this look like? Mm-hmm. Um, the packaging's different. The approach is different. It's not traditional it's more it feels more fresh it feels more um even what it says on your bag which is chef driven like it's a different all true statements all different you know know, thing and what and i gotta say and this is nothing against any entrepreneur there's plenty of talent but it's always interesting to see something that's usually comes into a market that's traditionally non-chef driven yeah like snack foods Um, when there are the companies that come in every once in a while, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but there's definitely a different twist to the popcorn uh, in your case based on that you come from a chef background, but you mm-hmm. also come from a mass production background yeah. or lean production, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I was probably more on the lean side, yeah. um, but in, and that's, that's, that's manufacturing jargon for yeah. those of you out there that don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, you know, that, that was... Again, the allure and why it made sense for me to take over the brand, right? Because it was already started 
there's a, sh- uh, a pretty well-known chef, uh, it was Todd Ginsberg in Atlanta, who came up with the sort of the original flavors. And then Kevin, when he was coming up with his flavors of the month, that's when he started bringing the rest of us in. And we would kind of come in and, you know, hey, what, you know, when I was telling you earlier, my first experience, it was like, hey, you know, we're doing this marketing thing, come up with a flavor. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do, uh, I think I did like peppered bacon scallion crema or something weird, right? And I was like, oh, those flavors will work. And it'll, it'll eat well with corn, right? Because yeah. I was just thinking like, hmm, what goes well with corn, right? Yeah. What pairs? So I show up and I'm like, hey, Kevin, we're going to do this. You know, well, okay, how are we going to make this happen? He's looking at me like, you're the chef. I'm like, but you're the popcorn guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what sparked the curiosity, right? And it is. And when you think about just popcorn plain, and I eat it plain a lot, actually. Um, it's sweet. It's a little nutty, right? But it's, it's a great vehicle for kind of bringing these flavors forward. And so when you start thinking about that, well, what is it we're trying to say and what is it we're trying to do? Um, the chef driven thing, like I said, that was just baked into the cake. It just, it's in the DNA of the brand, you yeah. know? And so when it came down to getting the best ingredients, it was like that again, that was already in the brand, um, for me to just sit there and sort of steward it to the next level and say, Hey, here's where we want to go and, and pursue a different arena. It just kind of made sense. And we do kind of take a different approach. Um, but it's what works for us, right? And we're not saying that our formula is going to work for another company, right? I mean, because they don't necessarily have our story, right? And, the, and all the components that kind of made this brand come together to where it is now. Um, I think every brand, you know, they sort of, you, you kind of figure that out as you're going along. You, you learn who you are becoming as a brand. It's sort of just like a, a child and watching your kids grow and change and develop their own personality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's why you have a business plan. Maybe yeah. if you wrote one, I don't know. I but did. Yeah. After the after I got my butt handed <laughs> yeah. to me, um, I sat down. and was like, you know, I need to really think about this. <laughs> yeah. And again, the the bags were the star of the show. As yeah. I started writing now and thinking about the model, everything out there, it was like, okay, you know, this is my path. This is where I'm going. You know, and we have the the tins and the corporate sales are great, and we love having them. And you know, we've got have some fantastic. Um, companies in Atlanta. One thing I love about living in Atlanta and being in Atlanta in that community is that the large businesses definitely support the smaller ones, right? So Absolutely. I love that Chick-fil-A calls us and, you know, we're part of their employee onboarding. Home Depot, if they have a, an employee outing, they'll, you know, use us for their snack bags. Um, Coca-Cola, Turner, CNN, um, that, that's always just a, a huge feather in the cap when I get an email or a call and they're like, we love you, we want to use your product. I'm like, thank you, thank you so much, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also business that's you, that little business right there and, and keeping that going has helped supporting you build an mm-hmm. image of a brand for a, a consumer thing. Yep. And, and that's what people don't realize. It's part of being part of that community. Yeah. It's part of willing to do the hard work and the stuff that well, how is this going to pay off or, or what am I doing it for? I'm trying to build it, but it all builds a brand recognition. And, yep. and, you know, often if you do it the right way, you know, it's the, it takes a long time and food for people to taste your product yep. even, and word of mouth even longer. Yep. Unless you have millions of dollars and want to mass produce an advertisement like a Kellogg's or yeah, whatever. Right. And even that still people have to try it and you still got to build brand recognition and loyalty and all that. But so one of the other ways is the harder way, which is actually probably the more effective way for results and not losing money is just doing it the way you're doing it, which is bootstrapping your way along, being smart about your decisions, learning from the mistakes, 
Um, and I think that's part of the other part that I think is so valuable that you've done is you have a variety of products for people to choose from. So it's more fun mm-hmm. um, to do things like that and, and do all the things that you're talking about. Yeah. And so um, and it opens up the possibility even that you've developed, you know, you have 30 some flavors in your head. Potentially, if someone else came along like a Costco or a Sam's Club or a Walmart or a CVS, like right. they traditionally do, and say, I want an exclusive flavor just for me. Can you do that? And I'll take two of your traditional flavors. You can yep. say, yes, I have an exclusive flavor to you because that's the world we live in and still build your brand, but yep. you're prepared for those opportunities. And that's why the chef part is so important because in the snack food world, what I love is that people are creative and they can create recipes. But once the chef gets involved, it opens that up that opportunity to cater to the way that you're doing mm-hmm. it in an open mindset, especially with your combined skill set of lean production in that how do I do this leanly across more things so I have more to offer, right. but just be just as efficient if I was mass production by controlling my costs, focusing on the things that I need to focus on right now. Like right now it's not R&D on products time, but I got some 31 in my head, okay, that's yeah. done. Okay, well, I'm on how do I learn in R&D sales and get people and, and do podcasts and whatever else. And I think that's pretty cool. So Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's one of those things that's a little disappointing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I would love to be coming up with wacky flavors all day long. It just it would not be me servicing the brand and what it needs, right? I mean, that would be me being a little negligent. Yeah. Um, but I do miss that part. And then we do have customers that call and they'll say, Hey, you know, when are you going to bring this flavor of the month back? And, or, you know, the other call we get is when can I walk in and they miss that experience. And that's the one thing that I really want to figure out how to bring sort of back that omni channel presence. Right. Cause I miss walking into the store and, and the smell. And there was an opportunity that I looked at with a new food hall that had opened. It just wasn't the right time. Um, I, I didn't think it made sense for us as a brand, um, knowing that this is what I was really trying to pursue. I think once we kind of get our our feet wet and we're kind of got this grooving along, then yeah, I'll look at and make say what makes sense for that way. People can just pop in and get their fresh little bag or their little snack or whatever it is they want. Yeah, they can absolutely. they can pick up their larger orders and all those things. Because um, we definitely we love interacting with the guests. That's for sure. I mean, interacting virtually, there's certainly value to it. There's the the sort of um, convenience factor uh, but it's not the same right it's not sitting in front of somebody and looking them in the eye and having that conversation it just doesn't have that touch that personal touch yeah so Nick thank you for having us or thank you for coming on the podcast yeah, my <laughs> like, thank Thanks you for having me. us I'm like oh my gosh I'm like I just recorded a podcast on someone else's podcast today and nice. yesterday so I'm a little bit yeah still getting used to it but um, I really appreciate you taking the drive from Atlanta all yeah. the way out here to Milledgeville and seeing the facility. And I'd really like to have you back on the podcast because now that we've done one, I'll have plenty of follow-up questions. But as we sort of um, sign off here, can you let everyone know where they can find you again? Um, um, as the chief popper, I'm sure there's <laughs> going to be people coming out to you and asking questions about popcorn. So if you're open to that, where sure. can they find you? How can they reach out to you and, and social media and all, all the hoopla? Definitely, if you wouldn't mind for your listeners out there, give us a follow on Instagram at Kaja Popcorn. You know, we've we've got a small but loyal following. Definitely looking to uh, grow our audience. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at Kaja Popcorn. Uh, we have a LinkedIn page as well. If you're active on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can always find me uh, Nick McCormick eighty two. 
um, I'm on there and uh, you know we can always chat if you have anything that I can help with if uh, I'm available to happy to do so love networking and just connecting and meeting new people um, that's pretty much it and then you know if you have questions about the product you know always visit our website www.kajapopcorn.com uh, we have a contact form and uh, you know anything specific you need we, we tr try to get back to you within 24 hours uh, and then if you are in a corporate environment and you're looking for gifts, fun things as the uh, holidays come up, uh, we do have a corporate website page where you can fill, us, uh, fill out the form. Let us know about you know, your, your event, what you're trying to do. Uh, as Justin mentioned, we have plenty of different options, some that match every budget. Like I said, the bags have been super popular. Uh, people love them as quick takeaways. Uh, so you can find us there. And... Um, wholesale portal coming soon for our wholesale partners and distribution coming soon uh, for those of you out there who are interested and maybe want to carry our product on your store shelves we'd be honored to, to partner with you i love what you what you're doing and you're making it simple um for the people you just highlighted it with yep. the vendors with the wholesaling it makes it so much easier um it's something we do as a company as well um for our clients is how can they wholesale to the person as easy as possible and do their orders online it's huge mm -hmm. um your packaging is phenomenal I, I think i touched on it before but i think it's just so well done it sits up well it's it gets the point across it's not complicated it doesn't oversell your product yeah um, and it leaves a lot open for the, for. Yeah, the designers, uh, they, they did an amazing job and that was a fun process. I'd never sat through a, a kind of a mood board yeah. scenario of we're going through and this is your personality, right? And then that's some, how do you interject your personality into your brand? And for me, it was bold, uh, classic and uh, simple, right? And then just kind of keeping it, it out there and just saying, hey, here's what we are, here's what we do. You know, here's here's the message in the back. We got the, the, the shout out about you know we started as a, a small storefront on Peachtree Road, uh, just to give the homage like that. That's our roots, and um, you know we're dedicated to to bringing on a small batch popcorn to you the same day as when we open our doors. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Nick, Thanks. and thank you everyone for listening in. If you like what we're doing here, please share the podcast, share Nick's uh, podcast for everyone, and. Get yourself some popcorn. Um, I believe you do ship all over the United States. If someone Lower wanted. Lower 48, yep. yep. Try not to do Hawaii or Alaska because shipping just it gets horribly yeah. expensive. Know, once <laughs> but, you go airborne on the ground, uh, you're trying it, to no it, longer ground. Yeah, and we've had shipments get lost in Honolulu, and it takes two weeks, and it's just no fun. Yeah, so. we've been there. Yeah. I know that. Lower 48. <laughs> Honolulu is known for losing your packages. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone, again, and enjoy your week.